Gary Bay Nerd Chuck, host of Wine Library TV, aka WLTV, and this is BBQ Central. Do it live. Okay. Well, do it live. I can. I'll write it and we'll do it live. So to get that perfect barbecue, you use wood. Are you sure it's safe? Whatever. We put the lighter fluid on, strike the match, and oh, should we call the fire department? That might be a good idea. Good evening and welcome to the really big barbecue central show. This is the show that talks about all things important to the world of barbecue and grilling. The show originating from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame City, Bomb City, USA, Cleveland, Ohio. The barbecue capital of the North Coast. I am your program host, Greg Rempe. Happy to have you aboard here on your Tuesday evenings. A live fire fun and frivolity show. If you want to get in touch with the show tonight, here's how you do that and keep up you with You can me. get in touch with the show by sending an email to Greg at the BBQCentralShow.com. Follow us on all the social media channels at BBQ Central Show. And be sure to subscribe to the show podcast feed on your favorite podcast platform. Anything else you want to find out about the show can be found at the main website, the BBQ centralshow.com and here's what's happening in case you didn't get the newsletter which you can subscribe to by the way on the main page of said website and as a thank you you will receive that very special homemade barbecue sauce recipe that I highly covet and only give out in triple secret if you sign up for the newsletter my gift to you during the holiday season coming up in about 12 minutes from now he has been a quarterly guest all of this year doing the podumentary from thinking about starting a barbecue trailer to actually starting a barbecue trailer and then running it through the balance of the year. You might also know him as the Utah Embedded Correspondent. We'll be welcoming back for the last quarterly check-in of 2022, Rusty Monson from Salt City Barbecue. So we'll see what the last 90 days have looked like from an operating standpoint. We will also do some high-level lookbacks, as in, what would you do different? Knowing what you know now, what would you do different 12 months ago? What would you have had in place? Pitfalls you might be able to avoid now. These are all the informational tidbits that Rusty has been doling out freely over the last, which will be four visits during 2020. So anybody else that has been thinking about doing this venture has really been able to glean only the highest level information that has been put into play here on Rusty's playbook. So hopefully that will continue here this evening. So Rusty will join us here shortly. Then 35 past the hour, the person who has started or at least the website that I have become most familiar with here in 2022, which ranks as my most favorite of this year, Wes Wright from cookoutnews.com joins us. 
And if you're not following me socially, especially over the last couple of days, and you missed the big reveal that publicly traded Weber Grills is now going back to privately held Weber Grills. So we'll talk to Wes Wright about that when the announcement was made, why it was made, and then, of course, most importantly, what that means for Weber going forward. Could we see a Duquesne Grills of sorts? Could we see a Toys R Us of sorts? What does this mean from a business perspective? And what does it mean from a quality of grill build perspective moving forward? So we'll talk to Wes about all of that. We might high level it too on some of the other publicly traded companies and things we might look for as the year turns into business Q1 of 2023. And that'll wrap the first hour. Then we'll move to the second hour. And joining me in what has been almost maybe a little bit more than a two-year hiatus, you originally knew him as president and CEO of MMA Creative, but then he got froggy with it and became the president, CEO, and founder of the World Food Championships. Yes, Mike McLeod rejoins the show in the second hour. Now, forward-thinking me decided to not have a 35 not Andrew you are not the <laughs> that's a weird thing that this has grown up if I say not the right way it signals to my brain that that sound effect or that drop needs to play no matter what sometimes I say not and it doesn't trigger it but sometimes if I say not the right way like not Andrew you are not the <laughs> then you hear it wacky wild and live local and late breaking i didn't put anybody in 35 past because it had been so much time since we had visited with mike the last time in fact we were taking bets on if the world food championships in 2020 was going to happen with the embedded correspondence segment the week before mike came on the last time and 75 percent of us were right on the money 25 percent of us were wrong we thought the majority thought there was no way it was going to happen, which was the case. 25% of us, it was probably Rusty, now that I think about it, because he's very positive, but I don't remember that specifically. But somebody said, yes, it was going to happen. If somebody was going to make something happen in 2020, Mike McLeod was going to be that guy. Of course, that did not come to fruition. See, I said not right there, and then I wasn't stimulated to hit the drop on that not. I don't know why it is, but. You know, sometimes the knot is going to be right, and then Maury follows, and hijinks and hilarity soon after that. So we'll carry Mike into the balance of the second segment in the second hour. I don't know if we'll run the whole gamut or not, but we'll see how it goes. We might have a little barbecue talk with Mike McLeod as well. So we'll see what happens. That's the show. Rusty Monson, Wes Wright, first hour. Mike McLeod, second hour. Your emails and social media tweets I will mix in as it see fits. Don't forget you can follow me socially, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, Snapchat at BBQ Central Show. We say good evening to those of you watching through one of our video streaming platforms. You can go to Facebook and Twitch slash BBQ Central Show to watch. Also, you can take in the show via YouTube slash RD Rempe, where we do have a this week's poll going on, so you have to go to YouTube in order to weigh in. And the question this evening, and if you're just listening through Facebook or whatever, and you'd like to throw it up in the instant chat, I'll be able to see it as well. What's the bigger shock 
Weber went private again, or Traeger is still the same, and 75% of you currently are saying the bigger shock is that Traeger is still the same. Also, we say good evening to those of you using our audio streaming platform, Clubhouse. So if you would rather hear us and not see us, that's the way to do it. Both YouTube and Clubhouse have a chat feature, which you can take advantage of as well. So let's start here this evening. I got a lot of emails about the segment I did closing the show last week with David McDowell. None of them were negative, mind you, but they were asking me if I really have seen success using the Do Wellness program. The bottom line is this. Any sponsor of my show is a business that I believe in or is a product that I use. For many of them, I currently use my own money to buy their products. It's not just all free for me. So when I tell you that I'm using the David Leans program, I'm using it. And I'm using my own money to use it. Otherwise, what skin do I have in the game? And as I mentioned last week, I'm not a guy who started off at 400 pounds or anything like that. In fact, 99% of you would look at me and say I'm too skinny 21 weeks ago, but I know my body. I know where I feel good at, and I didn't feel good, so I started using David's program, and it has worked. So this time of year is when many folks decide they want to make the change because the year is new, and I get it. But if you know now that you want to try and make a new change, a new lifestyle change, start now. Don't wait. The sooner you get going, the more days that you have under your belt when the new year hits. And let's be honest, using the new year as some kind of time marker is lame. I started in the middle of the year. You measure by weeks, whatever it is. So as someone who has made the choice to change me, David's system works, and I highly encourage you to get in touch with him to see if it makes sense for you. Don't just sign up blind if you don't want to. If you don't buy it from me for the last 21 weeks, that's fine. Get in contact with him. Ask him all the tough questions. Ask him how you think he would be able to help you get wherever you want to go. Have those conversations. Ask the questions. Then, then make the decision. And if you want to sign on the line, that is dotted. And by the way, I think you can sign up for a year and get a discount, but you can go month to month as well. So if you don't feel like it's working for you, if you're putting in that effort and you're not getting the results, you get the refund, just like I say each and every week. Your decision. But if you're asking me, does it really work? Yes. But I've also made the commitment Rusty Monson is in the green room. We'll get to him here in just one moment. Big Papa Smokers is the one-stop online shop for all things barbecue. A curated selection of only the best outdoor cooking and grilling supplies. Getting you on the path to better barbecue results in no time. Everything at Big Papa Smokers has been Pitmaster approved by Sterling Big Papa Ball himself from the award-winning rubs and sauces. For the American-made grills and smokers. Big Papa Smokers, known for the championship rubs and seasonings, popular flavors like Sweet Money, Cattle Prod, Cash Cow, Double Secret Steak Rub, all proven winners on the competition circuit and in the backyard. Big Papa's offering 13 perfectly balanced flavors that transform ordinary meals into extraordinary meals. 
Whether you're cooking to impress the judges or grilling for your family, Big Papa Smokers award-winning rubs and seasonings don't disappoint. Big Papa's also the proud owner of Granny's Barbecue Sauce. If you're looking for a new go-to sauce that will please everybody, Granny's traditional yet powerful flavors remind us of why we fell in love with barbecue in the first place. Yes. Aside from the premium selection of rubs and sauces, Big Papa's offering the very best pellet charcoal and wood cookers available today. If you're looking for a versatile smoker that's easy to use, check out that Mac two-star general pellet cooker. Big Papa Smokers is the exclusive Mac dealer, even offering special packages that you can't get anywhere else, only him. If you're not a fan of pellet smokers or you don't know what type of grill you need, you can't go wrong with anything offered on the website, but call them and ask questions. 877-828-0727. That's 877-828-0727. Or shop their website at BigPapaSmokers.com. That's B-I-G-P-O-P-P-A Smokers.com. We are back with the pitmaster of Salt City Barbecue, Rusty Monson, the Utah embedded correspondent. Right after this, stick around. Be right back. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. Broadcasting live from the Barbecue Central Show studios in Cleveland, Ohio. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rempe. Welcome back. This portion of the show being brought to you by CookinPellets.com, your number one source for quality wood pellets for all your pellet-driven cookers. Visit CookinPellets.com for more information or to purchase also, peruse all the other offerings that they have there on the website. That's cookinpellets.com. My first guest tonight, a Barbecue Central Show embedded correspondent, namely Utah, a championship award-winning pitmaster, the co-host of the Pitmasters podcast. He is also the owner-operator of a barbecue trailer that we've been following this year, three months ago. We talked about how business was going 120 days into life of the company, and tonight, we get a new 90-day update to track business, revenues, and what new things he's learned over the past quarter that he might share with us. Let's go ahead and race to the hotline and welcome back my pal, Rusty Monson. Hey, Rusty. What's happening? Last check of 2022, which I appreciate the year-long podumentary that we have done a, a live event, but then also transitioning into the podcast, of course. So, what a fun and educational slash informative ride this has been over the year. As we approach the turn into 2023, Rusty, what have the last 90 days looked like on the barbecue trailer? A lot, um, a lot better as far as um, confidence goes. I believe last time we talked, I was on the tail end of basically <laughs> being by myself and getting my butt handed to me it's funny because i'll tell stories to some of the employees i have now i'm like, like today i did that by myself a year ago They're like no way there's no way i'm like yeah i did it was a very chaotic time back then um it was it kind of came out of nowhere i think we talked at a really good time as far as mike my, my breaking point went that was about then right after then and it was a really tough time so i've since since we talked at last actually we talked about hiring people which i have to the extent of now i can 
I have someone on my uh, payroll who can run the truck and can take the truck who's insured on the truck, all that. So there's times where I can let him just go with some people, some employees, some team members to different spots. So it's been a lot easier as far as that goes, but the summer was insane. Mm. It's, it, as much as it was easier, uh, it was just one after another. We could have been five trucks and still been somewhere every day, twice a day. So it was crazy busy, crazy, crazy busy. So follow-up questions to that, and let's start with the most recent answer following up on that. When you, as you say, could have five trucks or 10 trucks in order to keep up with demand, as somebody whose livelihood is dependent on booking gigs, working concerts, however it is that you're getting these deals, is it maddening to you to know if you had more trucks, you could generate more revenue and ultimately more money in your pocket? Or do you re- are you able to segment that in your mind and go, hey, this is a great thing to think about, but we really need to take the basic steps to grow properly. Otherwise, we could be really busy. We could accommodate everybody, but what happens if X or Y happens? And now we have four of the five trucks sitting. Yeah, we were looking to grow into that. And I think we have, I think we're at that point now where Jared, who is my right-hand man, can handle that second truck. And yes, there we literally could have three trucks. I'm, I mean that. It's not exaggerating. We could have three trucks running at the same time. And yeah, it's maddening. Just today, I got a couple of texts from people or emails asking to do like December 21st. What do you got? I'm like, we already have two events that day, two big caters back to back. Uh, I added another. So I have a third. It's gonna make it a little hard. And then I got a fourth and I could, you know, make it a lot easier to take that third and have someone else do it and then have the fourth. Uh, and it's often where we'll get, uh, again, today we had something all the way in February asking us to do something. It's a really good gig. We already have something. So it'd be really nice to have a second food truck to be able to go do that. And Jerry can handle that. It's just now getting that second food truck, you know, is the thing I, I think we talked about this before. I am not someone who likes to get loans, so I don't go out and get $80,000 for a food truck. I'm trying to do it on my own. The goal this year is to save enough money uh, to pay cash for one. The other follow-up question to that is, you, did you say his name is Jerry, this guy that you're trusting? or Jared was Jared. Uh, on Salt City Barbecue competition team, and he's come along with me. We used to work at Texas Roadhouse together. Hmm. And so that's where he comes. So he's kind of been my right hand man for a long time. So we've kind of, we know each other pretty well. So his help has been immeasurable and without him, I couldn't done it. I wouldn't be sitting here right now. I'd be sorry. I, you know, I'd have a nine to five somewhere in an office. I think. I think you're probably a lot like me in certain instances. You're way more positive than me, but you, when your name is on it, you want to make sure that you're controlling it. There's the, the proper quality that's going into it. And, Perhaps nobody can do it like Rusty can, just like I don't ever ask anybody to help me with the show because I know nobody's going to be able to do it like me, and I don't want anybody's expectation to miss, and then there's heartache and whatever, bad feeling. When you have Jared ready to turn out on your own, are you also struggling internally going, "Eh, should I go with him, or is it just like, hey, I need to have this night off, or I need to be able to focus on this aspect of the business. I'm good with it. As you said, you have some history with him. Maybe that makes it easier, but is there a struggle with you internally that's trusting somebody else to do the Salt City job? I said to him, I'm like, you know, we have you start running the truck by yourself. This is something we're going to have to do down the road. Let's get going now while it's slow. Or 
and we can make, you know, if things happen, it's not that big of a deal. And I need to get a lot of stuff done because it's now, like you said, it's that time where you started shifting. You got to start focusing on the business part of it and not the operations part of it. And so we set out and it was his first day out and it was a slow day and it didn't matter at all. I was a ball of nerves. I was, I was like, it was like leaving your kids home for the first time. You're calling the baby. Are they okay? Did they fall? Is everything okay? I heard screaming just now. Is everything all right? Like it was really hard. In fact, it was such a stressful uh, situation that I didn't get any of the work done I wanted to do. I couldn't focus on it enough. And it's still similar to that. I still worry about it. Uh, we left him, he went and did a, a gig on his own and just got hammered and I was just, I felt terrible. So now I have this like kind of PTSD about letting him go. He can do it along with Mika, Morgan, all the people that work with us and they can handle it. It's fine. I just, like you said, man, I just want to be there to make sure it's okay. I know I can, if I was there, we can handle anything and we probably could without me, but I don't feel that way, <laughs> you know, and, and Jared's proven time and time again that he's fine, but man, I just can't let it go. It's hard, and it's something that I'm I'm doing more now for myself than I am for him. I'm doing it so I can let go because I have to at one point. Is hiring more people also a key to all of this? If you can hire two or three more Jareds, uh, does that make life a little less stressful for you? Right now, it it it's hard because um, it's a difficult time because last winter we took it a little slowly i was able to do it alone like i said uh now jared and i pretty much can fill up the month and we've hired a couple more people to keep them going and i worry about their hours but we haven't had that problem so it's like i would like to start beefing up for the summertime because we could use three or four different people in the summer absolutely and uh it's like when do we pull that trigger when do we back off and how long you know can we maintain these hours for these people in the winter summer the winter time it's really hard on me because i you know, I had a girl just now just quit her job and she's coming over here and she's like, I need hours. I'm like, okay. You know, so I'm trying really hard to get all these events together, which is, isn't hard to be honest, but it's difficult right now to want to hire someone though, you know, in just a little while, you're going to want to hire five of them, you know, and it's going to be interesting next year to see when we have a full staff coming into the winter, how that's going to look. Do you anticipate having the other food truck at that point? Yeah. Um, I anticipate having a lot more than that. Um, I, I hope to have it at that point. And, um, I also hope to, if not have a catering program, that's really solid. Mm -hmm. So even if we don't have a third truck, we're able to do some catering options and really pump that side of the business. Cause that's, to be honest, uh, when it comes down to it, catering is where the money's at. It's where the real money is. So that's going to be our focus as well. This summer coming in is just hammering. And if you know in business, you want to strike when the iron's hot, you know, you're not in the winter time going, all right, guys, let's build up our clientele now. Mm -hmm. It's a little too late for that. You want to do that when it's when people are coming to your trailer and in droves, you want to be able to push that. And so that's our goal next year is to have a really good program as far as catering goes. And hopefully that second truck, that'd be fantastic. You have a environment that shows winter for you so many months out of the year, just like it does here in Cleveland. Our pal Smoking Joe's Pit Barbecue is out in Texas. He's uh, followed similar suit to you opening up a barbecue trailer down there. He's not affected as much as we are for weather, you going to notice a slowdown here over the next couple months? Or are you able to do some kind of a concert venue thing or this catering that you were just talking about to supplement what you would normally get during warmer months? We looked actively for things like that coming in the wintertime. We were able to get connected with the biggest convention center, two of them, 
in Utah. So we do convention center stuff. So if you have um, outdoor retailers came by a wedding venue, you know, wedding conventions and things like that, we go to um, the, the Pinners conference we just did. That was a big deal. So we keep busy that way. Uh, and that pays the bills. That pays all the bills for the month. And then we can do whatever we need to outside of that to make some extra cash flow. And that mostly becomes business lunches and drive and drop caterings. And that's kind of what our bread and butter is. Again, if we had a more solid um, program as far as catering goes, I would have not had so much to, you know, I would have more hours for everyone. We'd have more business. And we're trying now, but I feel like we we pulled that trigger a little bit too late. Hmm. So next winter, it'll still be those conventions. That'll be a big part of it, but it'll mostly be catering that gets you through. That's what's going to help in the winter because, yes, the truck is successful. Yes, we can go out every day, but we're not going to make half as much money as we do in the summer. It uh, just doesn't happen that way. It's too cold. No one wants to come outside. And the thing is with other food trucks, it takes 10, 15 minutes. It takes us 45 seconds to produce something out the window, but they don't know that. So building that confidence with them that, hey, we're fast. You're going to come outside, grab some food, and head right back in. Don't worry about it. That's something also we have to try and do this winter to make it up and get confidence in them next year. It's like, oh, Salt City, we can just run out real quick. It's fine. That's going to be an important thing. Rusty Monson joining us here on the show, the pitmaster of Salt City Barbecue. SaltCityBBQ.co is the website. We joked about it more or less last embedded correspondence segment, Rusty, or maybe it was two ago when we were reviewing and giving our thoughts on mail order barbecue, was that something that has bubbled up even more as an option or is it just fun to talk about at this point and no real opportunity to bring it to fruition? You know, it's funny. I I thought about it and, and with John, I, he wants to do it and I I will just to try it out just to see if it'll work. Um, But I'm actually, I, I went and got DoorDash and Grubhub and Uber Eats and all that stuff. And I got it all set up and ready to go. And then I started ordering through them as a, as, as a customer. And I ordered through one of them and it took 45 minutes to get there. My sandwich was soggy and, you know, in, in half the time it works great. They get there quick, no problems. Other times it takes up sometimes a long time. And I started thinking the whole time that person's coming with my food, my food could be there, you know, in that car. And I don't want that to go to a guest. I don't want someone eating that going that salsa barbecue. Hell no. And I think Mm -hmm. of mail order the same way, you know? I think of it as not my product, not the way I, unless I can get it exactly in and make it exactly the way I have it. I don't want to do it. I just, you know, quality is too important for me. The reputation part of it, the branding part of it right now, it isn't going to work for us. So I don't think that's going to be a thing. Almost a year later, maybe a little bit more than a year later, and probably through all these planning stages, well over a year ago, you launch here we are talking about it. Has the journey been worth it so far? Absolutely. It's been a blast, man. It's been busy and it's been, it's been harder, but it's, it's, we're gotten our stride. We're feeling good about it. Uh, the food's dialed in. It's excellent food. And, uh, and we're busy and we're, people know us. It's just a trip when I wear my shirt and my hat, people, Oh, so city, what's up? You know, or, you know, would run into someone like the, my, my youngest just started going to a private school and the, the lady that runs the principal where the hell they're called. She's like, Oh yeah, I've been to your truck a couple of times. That's really cool. And that's a trip, man. So that kind of stuff makes me feel good. It's, it's more, it's better now. Uh, it's a different monster than it was before. Yes. It's the physical part. Yes. It's busy. Yes. It's being away from family, but now we have to be worried about cost of goods and 
reports and um, P&Ls and things like that are becoming more and more prevalent. Changed the menu recently, looking into food cost style and that in. That's uh, a whole thing now. So it's a different ball game at this point. It's more, and I hate that stuff, man. I, I want to be on the truck. I don't want to be sitting there with my computer, you know, putting in invoices and looking at P&Ls and crap like that. It sucks. It's hard. <laughs> That's the hardest part. Last year, we were talked a lot about, in the beginning of this year, talked a lot about meat costs, uh, briskets, porks, ribs, you name it. How is that affecting you now as you look to go into 2023? Is it stabilized a little bit more? We are able to adjust prices. Um, so if your briskets, you know, we got down to 370 on brisket, which was the lowest I've seen it since I've had the food truck in this market. And now it's back up to 430 on average. So you, what you do is you take your dollar 20 a pound pork butt and it just becomes a little bit more expensive. Then you start to find ways to balance that out. Ribs are still expensive. They haven't gone anywhere. Um, they're still the same they were before. So you have to roll with those. That's why we took our nachos. We uh, made a, an adjustment with the recipes that made it still very, very good, but it also was more cost effective. And that way you balance out the poundage of the brisket and the um, the four pounds of $4 a pound ribs that we're paying for right now. So it's more about balance. So when you see that stuff, you have to adjust things. Unfortunately, that's when your dollar... Uh, a pound pork butt goes to $16 a pound. You know, when you see someone in the restaurant like that, that's how they're surviving. And that's how they're cutting the costs in the big uh, costs mar- areas, such as brisket and especially as ribs now. So we added sausage, we added desserts to it to kind of counteract that, that, um, that food cost as well. So the food cost has actually lowered um, just by following it, keeping up with it and adjusting. But the food is still very expensive. And people haven't batted an eye. I haven't had one person complain about it ever. So, you know, it is what it is. I'm not looking for specific numbers, although people would press to say that's the only thing I like to ask anymore. Through the year, are you operating in the black or are you at break even at this point? What does it look like financially? We actually just answered this question the other day. Me and my wife sat down and looked at it. And I would be able to pay if, let's say, my wife's job didn't exist. I would be able to pay the bills so that we can keep the lights on the house paid. And that's about it. Hmm. But that's a, that's, you know, we, that's a pretty good chunk of money still. And the people, I just got done talking to some people in a meeting that they have some other food trucks that they didn't make a single dime for three years. So for me to be able to make, to pull some money out of it, out of it has been really cool. So that, yeah, it's been nice. In the future, let's look a year or two or five down the road. Is there an end game of a restaurant or more than two units? What are we looking at? The goal now is going to open up a brick and mortar with two food trucks, not trailers, trucks specifically. Mm-hmm. And I want to be able to have a sausage area where we can make sausage, a big enough area so we can run the food truck portion out of it and the catering program out of it, get a, a catering truck and two food trucks and the restaurant itself and run those uh, streams. That's the goal. That's the goal. Um, it might be happening sooner than I, I thought, but we'll, we'll see how it goes. Um, but opening a brick and mortar, having the two food trucks, um, doubling the food truck program that we have now, and then also adding, again, the uh, catering and then the restaurant portion. So things that I've done my whole life, so it's nothing I'm scared of. It's something I'm very really used to, um, but it's going to be, that's going to be the end game. 
and then hopefully we can, you know, make a lot of money and sell it off and, and go buy a house in Maui and that's it. Say la vie. You said you're not into taking loans. Uh, so barring making bags and bags of cash on the revenue slash profit side, you might be looking at potential investors. Is that something that you're open to looking at? Because I know there's certain operators that don't want to do any of that. They don't want somebody coming in and taking a stake. They also don't want to go out and take loans. So they'll just save and reinvest or whatever money that they're making. They'll just reinvest back into the company to try and achieve the next steps of growth. What are your thoughts on that? You can go the bank route, but they're not, they're not going to be easy on you as a startup. You have to show that you have, you have to show a proof of concept with them. They have to know that you're making money and they have to see the, the track record. And if you don't have a track record, or your track record isn't good enough yet you want to, you have to have investors it's really the only way and for me having an investor and experiencing what i've experienced with a friend of mine who owns a successful barbecue restaurant here and um seeing it firsthand being a pitmaster at a, a startup uh, helping a friend out it's really scary because uh, in those two situations and badly um for the person that started the barbecue restaurant uh, I wouldn't say badly for my friend because he he had he, he left with a lot of money, but um, the other one it ended pretty badly for. So mm. seeing that is really scary. But you have to understand it's like a marriage. You know, if you if you get to know the person well enough and you become good friends and understand each other's vision, and you want to ex- execute that vision together and understand that I do what I do and you do what you do, and that's and you know stay in your lane, then you can be successful with a partnership. I realize that it's something I didn't want to do before, but talking with people, knowing now that's kind of what you have to look at it as and get to know them. And because if you get in a bad marriage, it's going to end badly. If you get in a good marriage, it's going to be successful. And that's what investment is. And that's where I'm headed. That's where I'm looking for now currently. Rusty Monson is running Salt City Barbecue and you can check him out there in Utah. SaltCityBBQ.co is the website. So go ahead and check out that website to see where he might be at next and get your hands on some of that grub. Rusty, look, this year has been great. The quarterly visits have been outstanding, chock full of information, especially for the folks that have been toying around with doing something similar wherever they are. So to hear your trials, tribulations, uh, successes, and hurdles, and how you've been able to overcome them to have what has really been a, a hugely successful first year and growth only ahead of you, is fantastic and i certainly appreciate you being as candid and as open as you are continued success and we will check in again next year perfect man appreciate the time it's been i love this little segment it's fun it's therapeutic really good (laughs) glad we can do that rusty right there he'll be back in two weeks as we close out 2022 with the embedded correspondence segment so hopefully you enjoyed the podumentary as we call it Rusty Monson right there from Salt City Barbecue checking in for the last time this year and having a successful run at it, which is great because, as we know, anything that has to do with food service can be a little bit dicey. But Rusty has a fairly extensive background in the restaurant industry, food service industry, so he's been able to leverage that experience into the success that he's seeing right now. So congratulations to Rusty. What do we love about ceramic cookers? We love that they're fuel efficient. We love that you can achieve low and slow temperatures for traditional barbecue meats. We love that you can get rip-roaring hot for high-temperature grilling of steaks and other thin cuts. But what's missing in the everyday lineup of ceramic cookers? The real ability to do true two-zone cooking. 
Two-Zone Cooking is very important to both professional and backyard cooks alike. It's the best way to manage a fire and cook with confidence. However, getting a Two-Zone fire and a round ceramic cooker is not very realistic. Why? Because it's round. Enter Primo Grill and the game-changing oval design. This shape gives you the ability to execute a two-zone setup that you desire. It also gives you the other ceramic grill benefits as well. Really, when you break it down, there's more than 60 different ways to cook on a Primo cooker. So you're only limited by your culinary imagination. Of course, they have the accessories, the Primo Grill rotisserie, the Primo Grill pizza accessory, and so much more. All sold through dealers. So find one near you by visiting the website primogrill.com. That's primogrill.com. And then visit them, touch them, feel them in person, get educated by your dealer, and then pick out the best oval for you. Here's the bottom line. Best ceramics in the biz, patented technology, true two-zone cooking capabilities, multiple sizes. Visit primogrill.com to find a dealer near you. Check them out on Facebook and Instagram as well longtime sponsor of the show and if you have a primo i'd love to hear your success stories and what you love about it. we're back with wes wright from cookoutnews.com right after this stick around we'll be right back Stern, Jim Rome, Dan Patrick, and Greg Rampey. The Mountain Rushmore of talk show entertainment. Now, let's get back to the Barbecue Central Show. And we thank Rusty Monson for joining us last segment. This portion of the show being brought to you by Fireboard. Monitor up to six different temperatures simultaneously. Connect to Wi-Fi for cloud-based monitoring. Or connect via Bluetooth. If you have Alexa or the Google Assistant at home, you're locked. Fireboard fully integrated with both. Find out more by visiting fireboard.com or call 816-945-2232. Don't forget to check out that Fireboard Spark changing the industry. My next guest tonight, the creator of my favorite barbecue and grilling website of 2022. I'm not afraid to say it. And of evidence of that, you've seen him on the show more than a few times over the last half year because, quite frankly, he's doing it better than anybody else is doing it in our industry right now. If you didn't see the news, his social posts or my social posts over the past few days, you might not have heard that Weber has gone back to being a privately held company. Here to dive into it with me is the creator of cookoutnews.com. We race to the hotline and welcome back Wes Wright to the show. Hey, Wes. Hey, Greg. How's it going? I am fabulous. And let's start. So as quickly as Weber and Traeger raced to get to the IPO starting blocks and then get out of those blocks, only to see the price of their shares race to the bottom of the barrel in successive months. Weber's now gone back to being a privately held company. Now, we've heard talk of this happening over the past handful of months as we've seen those prices drop, but how do we get here? Yeah, so I, I think it goes back to what you know we've talked about a few times on, on your show and you've talked about. Um, it was started with the unreal expectations from from the pandemic is surprisingly that many executives and investment firms just bought into that this was the trend right so loaded up on inventory loaded up on production uh just to see that go unfulfilled uh then now you know when it came crashing down uh there's an inventory glut weber's not making cash 
which means they didn't make enough money through the the grilling season to make it through the winter. Uh, they're more leveraged than than uh, pretty much any other public grill company out there. And, and even Citigroup said that they're the most leveraged company that they cover. And they got to a spot where they needed even more debt to to make it through the winter from what little cash they had. So they're in this spot where it's either the company that's the majority shareholder, BDD, BDT Capital, either buys them back or they lend them more money. And it turns out it's a combination of both. For the non-business savvy, uh, you've said leveraged a couple times. What does that mean in business speak? Yeah, um, it, it means having enough uh, earnings to pay your debt. So it's just like for people, if let's say you make a thousand bucks a month, but you, you know, your debt payments are twelve hundred a month, you've got a problem. You either have to make more money, have less expense, or you know take on more debt to pay for the debt that you have or some combination of all three, you know? Um, so that's, that's basically what it is. They just have a ton of debt compared to the money they're earning. And, uh, you know, like Traeger announced earnings uh, a few weeks ago, their grill sales for the quarter that just ended were down 67% or something like that. So in that environment, you just, you don't have enough money to, to they call it service your debt, but pay your debt, you know, going forward. So you don't want to be leveraged. In the end, but the less leveraged you are, the the better financially you are. So there there's some ratios that are guidelines. You kind of you you want to be within a, have a certain amount of leverage is okay, um, but having too much is a problem. You need leverage a lot of times in business to pay for big purchases. Let's say Weber, you know, they opened a plant in Poland. I'm not sure how they paid for it. I didn't look into it, but they have a you know. Uh, I think it's build it where you buy it or something like that. They have some slogan where, you know, you buy, <laughs> buy grills where, where they, where they make them. So um, using that, you know, you don't have, you know, whatever it costs, $50 million to build out a plant. So you take on some money with the idea that you'll sell more, more grills and can pay for it. Mm. It's just an issue. If you don't sell grills, then, you know, you have now an interest payment to make on top of not making enough money. Wes Wright joining us here on the show, cookoutnews.com, his website. You should be reading it multiple times a week because Wes is putting out great content. What's the benefit of going public? Is it just being able to raise money through shares or is there something else? Um, I think a lot of it is, is just that, is for Weber executives, for Weber as a company and for the investment firm behind it, you get a nice payday out of it. Um, there's kind of a, a dirty secret with when you IPO that you get all these pre IPO shares that are, you know, then IPOs at a high price, which almost always comes down pretty much IPO, every IPO that happens, you sell at that price, you make a nice chunk of change and, you know, walk away happy, I guess. Do you think as we look into some of the other bigger companies that have gone public or that have been public for a while now. Traeger, for instance, do you think they're in a similar situation or even though the stock has been racing to the bottom that it's not going to be a similar story as Weber's experiencing now? I think Traeger's a little different. Um, I haven't seen, you know, uh, Weber, I think they report earnings tomorrow morning, but I uh, Traeger had about half the leverage that Weber did. 
and they were one of the first to make some pretty deep cuts. That's another thing too, that clearly if Weber's in this situation, they didn't cut deep enough um, when they, you know, announced all the layoffs and fired their CEO and all that stuff. Um, and for Traeger, they have the benefit of that people still are buying their grills, right? So um, one thing that if you look at the earnings for Home Depot or some of the other retailers, they noted that consumers are still buying um, grills that are, you know, tech heavy or innovative, which they were alluding to Traeger. They didn't call it by name, but that's the only one they're really, actually they did. They said Traeger specifically. Um, they just have an issue that they're overstocked. And they also said that, you know, traditional um, grills that you think of, and they didn't say Weber this time, um, people weren't willing to pay for them unless they were heavily promoted or, you know, like mm. heavily discounted. So that's another problem is that, you know, Weber hasn't been on the forefront of innovation, in my opinion. I know there's probably have some Weber fans that listen, but, you know, they're, you know, actually Traeger CEO said it in an interview when Weber talks about innovation, they release a new color or a new knob, you know, that's kind of what they've been doing lately, you know. Do you foresee a time in the next six months or going into next grilling season that Weber's going to have to deep discount a bunch of their inventory to at least move it? Yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll know more tomorrow, but yeah, I mean, I think they'll have to, they just have a glut of it. Um, you know, uh, Camp Chef, uh, they're owned by Vista Outdoor, but their CEO, uh, he presented an analyst presentation um, and was talking about it'll take probably two to three quarters to run through the inventory that they have. Um, and they do have some innovative product offerings where, you know, Weber is kind of a, a commodity product in a lot of ways, um, with the exception of, you know, some of their, their higher end grills, um, which might be somewhat insulated. But, uh, you know, I, I think that they're going to have to, you know, discount their products to move th through it. And that was something too that, that Camp Chef even said. They said basically everything's on sale and that's the only way you're moving stuff in this environment. Are they making stuff too still? Like if you're, if you're going to take two or three quarters, I mean, that's putting you into Q3 of 2023. So you're through the grilling season at that point. Are you still also making new stuff or do you have to put manufacturing on hold or can you even do that? Yeah, you slow it. You run into a problem too, which every grill company claims isn't an issue, but we'll see, um, is you run into obsolescence, you know, having just product sitting in a warehouse somewhere for a year, you know, you could run into issues like rust or who knows mm -hmm. and, or just it's old product that people don't want anymore necessarily. Um, everyone says that's not going to happen and it's not an issue, but, but we'll see. Yeah. You, you, it wouldn't make sense to keep producing and, and, you know, adding to that inventory when, when there's, when <laughs> the hardware stores aren't even buying it. And this isn't like, for instance, my day job is selling class A trucks for Peterbilt. There was a time a year and a half ago, uh, maybe it was going on two years ago, where there were 4,000 trucks. You know, We couldn't complete the trucks coming offline in Denton. They were getting lined up in fields in Texas. And over those weeks and months as they were waiting for components to show up to finish and then ship to the dealers, who knows what's going on in the fields of mice and foxes and whatever else might be gnawing at the tires or taking their wax at uh, electrical componentry, what have you. 
So if somebody didn't want it, there's like secondary truck markets. You could ship some of these off to Mexico or you could put them on containers and ship them overseas. Typically, that's reserved for trucks that are you know, well into the second life or you know, well over a million miles on an engine or something like this. You don't have the similar luxury of this with grills. As you said, you're, you're, you're uh, building where they're buying. So it's not like there's just some wide secondary market that you could ship a bunch of these off to and fire sale them and get through some of that inventory you're sitting on. Yeah. I'm, yeah. They're sitting probably in various places, but, but you're right. There isn't an existing, we haven't had market conditions like this before. Hmm. Um, Camp Chef, and I, you know, I keep referring to them, but they, uh, they did something on, on their website. If you notice, they introduced the Camp Chef outlet where they list overstock items, um, you know, and just, and Traeger's without calling it an outlet. I mean, like the Pro 575, which is really popular is like three or 400 bucks off through Christmas, you know, it's, and they, they also run into a problem too, where not only do they have too much inventory as they sell it, uh, like the Home Depots of the world, they're not restocking it. They're destocking their inventory, so they're shrinking what they have on hand. So it's sitting somewhere. We'll see if they run into an obsolescence issue. They might have to resort to something like you're talking about. When Weber's finally taken back private, I know the announcement's made, but there's probably some time that actually has to transition to get them out of where they currently are back into the, the private sector. How do you see that benefiting them? Or do you? Um, it It'll... <laughs> So it's kind of funny because they're owned by an investment firm, right? Which even though I'm kind of from that world, I, I kind of have a, a bad taste in my mouth about the whole investment community in that regard. But uh, it, it'll benefit them because a lot of that debt is to themselves, essentially, right? BDT Capital wrote, you know, they just issued them a loan for $350 million at 15%, but it's to pay themselves back. So they're going to buy the company and it's kind of moving from one hand to another, right? When you pay those debt payments. So it, it'll benefit them that they won't have to one worry about that quarterly earnings cycle because when you do that, you know people like me get to go through all your financials and all your information, and it just whacks your stock and it just keeps plummeting. And you know you get more and more pressure to make changes in management or in changes in how you operate. If you're private, you don't have to do that. Um, those it's up to them, you know, how much cash they're willing to burn, and they can, you know, do anything or nothing at all. It's up to them. So it'll help them in that regard. Are there any other publicly traded companies that we've referenced over the year that we should be on the lookout for that might be in similar jeopardy? Um, let's see. I'm trying to think through. I don't, I don't think any of the, the publics Weber is, is the worst out there in terms of what situation they're in right now. Um, you know, cause the, the other ones, they're, they're part of, uh, other groups like, um, you know, like camp chefs, part of this dot door, which has a lot of other, you know, uh, you know, another 15, 20 brands, something like that. Uh, gorilla grills, they're public through American outdoors. Um, but again, that's, uh, you know, that was Smith and Wesson's holdings and it was a spin out from that. So it's diversified as well. So it's, you know, the only core focused grill companies are really Traeger and Weber. Um, if you get into, you know, a little more lifestyle brands with some cooking, there's solo brands, but the funny thing about that is they're actually, they, they're doing pretty well. Mm. Um, so they're not seeing the same thing they are because people are still making back patio purchases. 
Wes, anything new coming up that we're going to want to be checking out the website for here in the next handful of days? Yeah, well, tomorrow for sure, I'll, I'll get something up about Weber. I'll just need a little time to go through it, so it'll probably be later in the day. Um, and I did a pretty comprehensive piece that I'll put out. I'm hoping to get out tonight. You know, we'll see if I want to sleep. But uh, <laughs> that uh, it's uh, I uh, all about the uh, Franklin Barbecue Pit. I you know mm-hmm. I talked to Aaron Franklin and went through kind of the whole design and build and, and story behind that. So I hope to get that up within the next day or two. Wes Wright joining us here on the show. The website, of course, cookoutnews.com. And if you're just tuning in and you missed all the Weber talk, don't worry about it. You can get it in a podcast starting tomorrow. Wes, always appreciate the time. And I'm just so happy that uh, Scott Moody from The Variable put me on to the website. And we've been able to have you on here over the last half of the year and look forward to what we will be doing as in monthly segments in 2023 because you're doing it right. So we're looking forward to doing that. Wish you a great holiday and we'll see you in January. Yeah, sounds great. Have a great holiday. All right, there he is, Wes Wright from cookoutnews.com. And you heard it right. We'll be doing monthly segments starting in 2023 because he is doing it better than anybody else right now as far as breaking news, being able to explain the business side of things, all that fun stuff. So we always want to have the best guests here on the show that are bringing high value. And Wes certainly at the top of that list, cookoutnews.com. That's cookoutnews.com. All right, let's see here. We'll save those. Yeah, we're good. So we will take a quick break. If you want to jump in through Clubhouse, now is your time. Or you can just tweet at me, at BBQ Central Show, and we can read some of those reactions to either Rusty's last quarterly visit of 2022 or anything Wes Wright had to say, or maybe you have a take on what's happening in the live fire business world right now. It's shaking it up, no doubt. If you're listening and watching the Barbecue Central Show, stick around. We'll be right back. Continuing to produce incredibly mediocre content in an exceptionally professional way. You're listening and watching the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Craig Rampey. And we thank Wes Wright for joining us last segment. Cookoutnews.com is his website. And as he said, depending on if he wants to sleep or not, he'll post the Franklin Barbecue question, uh, interview that he had with Aaron talking about his cookers. And tomorrow, maybe in the afternoon, you'll see a update piece on where Weber's sitting right now. Smoking Joe's Pit Barbecue weighing and Notice all the mics work. Take note, Meathead. That's right. That's right. Some people... 
do the sound checking. Actually, Rusty's an old pro, so he doesn't need to. We've had Wes Wright on enough where he knows how to do it as well. We say good evening to Casey Hansen. Not a name that I usually see, so Casey, if it's your first time, welcome into the show. Why not? Email from Mark in Kentucky. Greg, I love the show with Donnie Bray last week. I took his competition class a number of years ago, and it was great. I wondered what he got into since he left the competition scene. Thanks for a great segment, and I, for one... Hope Donnie gets back into the competition scene again. Love the show, but podcast only for me regards Mark. Mark, thank you for listening to the show and weighing in. I agree. Donnie Bray was 100% awesome last week. It's great to get back in touch with him. It had been going on six years, I believe, since the last time we had him on the show. And if it's your first time getting introduced to Donnie Bray, A, congratulations, that was a great introduction. But then you can also go back to the main page of the website and in the search function right there, top middle, you can search Warren County Pork Chopper or you can search Donnie Bray, B-R-A-Y. And you can see all of the different times he's been on the show and go back to listen to those. Matt in Maryland is weighing in pull this up. This is part of a visual here that we're going to need to see. Matt in Maryland. Oh, oh. Hold on. Let me refresh the screen. Sorry. Play two. There we go. Now we can see it. Matt Maryland writing in. Greg went to a Mexican restaurant in Maryland not too long ago and guess what was on the menu? Here it is, Chori Pollo, sweeping the nation. Number 131 on your ordering menu. Grilled chicken breast topped with chorizo and queso dip served with Spanish rice, refried beans, and a choice of flour or corn tortillas. My Mexican Mexican restaurant only offers flour tortillas, which I certainly appreciate. But Matt in Maryland is showing us that the craze sweeping the nation continues to sweep the nation. Chori Poya. Matt, thank you for writing in. I did follow up with him after he wrote in the email, and I said, well, I appreciate the picture, but have you eaten it? He said, yes, I've had it a couple times, and he's a fan. And then I immediately sent it to Sam, the cooking guy, who immediately took a dump all over it, which I don't understand because he put a version of Chori Pollo on his menu over at Gray's. And I think he gave me a recipe in his latest cookbook, too. The Chori Pollo mentioned me by name, Greg in Cleveland. My best pal, Greg in Cleveland. I think that's how it went. So while he's accepted it, he continues to self-loathe about Chori Pollo when all you need to do is put your arms and hug it. Hug it. It's Weeping the nation, there's no culinary dish out there right now that is hotter than Chori Poi. There's not. I have the proof, the pictures, 
from all over this great land of ours. Anyway, we're pointing at the second hour. Stick around. We'll be right back.